If Reality Check Radio enriches your day and life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. You're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Now, for our next guest and topic, I thought I should start with a joke. And it goes like this. It's an informative joke. Uh, a, a farmer once turned up to our parliament as an MP, and he was on the Finance and Expenditure Select Committee, and the Secretary of the Treasury uh, took him aside and gave him a briefing and said, one thing, when you're looking at the budget figures, there's going to be some very large numbers. And I thought that I would explain to you how to conceive of what these big numbers mean. And uh, he says, great. And the Secretary of the Treasury said, well, picture a $100 bill, a $100 note, and imagine a bundle of them from the bank. In a bundle from the bank, there's a hundred, and that's $10,000. And it sits, if you lay it on the table, a centimetre high. If you put 10 bundles, one on top of the other, it's 10 centimetres. Oh, it's $10,000 in a bundle. Did I say that? It's $100,000 at 10 centimetres. And he said, if you get to a metre, it's a million dollars. The Secretary of the Treasury then explained that a billion dollars is a stack of $100 bills that's a kilometre high. And that's a trick with how politicians get away when they're talking about a billion. People struggle to conceive of a million. A billion is a thousand times that. So Secretary of the Treasury turned to the farmer and said, now, you know, can you picture now a billion dollars? He said, truthfully, I'm still trying to picture that $100 bill. <laughs> is um, how politicians get away we can picture hundreds of dollars. We struggle to picture a million. We can't conceive of a billion dollars. But we're going to be talking about billions of dollars in our next interview because we've got the wonderful Barry Brill, who is a lawyer, was an MP, was a minister for energy way back in Sir Robert Muldoon's uh, cabinet, an all-round good guy. And for years and years and years, he has been doing world-class, it's picked up overseas, analysis of the climate change, what do you call it, Barry, a hoax or a scam? What do you call it, misunderstood? What do you call the climate change doomsdayers? Is it a scam? Is that the well, word you um, use? It's a major mistake. Major mistake, that's a good way of putting it. So this major mistake of worrying about doomsday and putting our economy and lifestyle under huge stress for what is a scientific error at best. I think I'd use stronger language now, but uh, Barry is much more polite as me. Now, if you go over to a famous blog called BassettBrashAndHide.com, Barry has an astonishing article there. It's absolutely, you're going to be incredulous listening to the story and you're going to be angry, but it's complicated, but it's the most significant decision a government could take. And Barry's going to explain it to you because until Barry came along, no one had heard of it. Barry, the floor is yours. Tell us about what Jacinda Ardern did. Well, Rodney, the uh, subject matter was the uh, the nationally determined contrib contribution uh, that countries are asked to make uh, uh, under the Paris Agreement to reduce global emissions. Uh, the idea was that you make a indicative. Uh, nationally determined contribution for the year of 2015 to 2020, 
And then you make a firm one for the period 2021 to 2030, which was expected to be enhanced. Now, a nationally determined contribution is called nationally determined because it's over to the individual country as to how much they offer. In other words, it's voluntary. Uh, you're not obliged to, to offer anything, uh, although we have all signed up to the Paris Agreement, which essentially requires everybody uh, to do their best to contribute what they can uh, to the reduction of global emissions. So New Zealand went about very uh, comprehensively figuring out how much it could actually do. Uh, and the, the process was through the Zero Carbon uh, Act of 2020, uh, a climate change commission was established. And that climate change commission is to set five-year budgets for how much New Zealand should reduce its emissions uh, from, uh, from their high point. Uh, now, their, their high point uh, for this purpose was the year 2005, when we had emissions of about 320 million tonnes, uh, according to our highly uh, dubious uh, national inventory of greenhouse gases. So how much would we do in five years and how much would we do in 10 years? Well, well this was under a major uh, inquiry undertaken by the Climate Commission. It received public uh, submissions and did a national consultation. And it came up with the fact that over the period between 2021 and 2030, uh, New Zealand could reduce its emission level by 15%. Uh, that was 50-odd million tonnes, a very ambitious target. And the Commission said that if it was any more than that, there would be really serious uh, economic and particularly social effects on the country. So it's a real so that, stretch. That, that number was how many tonnes? Uh, 50 million. 50 million tonnes. And that's a 15% reduction okay. on the peak. And to go beyond that is a big... Well, to go beyond that, the Commission said we can't, we can't do it. Uh, and uh, the only thing you could do is to buy uh, emissions savings from other countries. Okay. Uh, and that would be a cash payment where we, uh, we buy carbon credits uh, on an international market, except there isn't any international market yet, and the Commission doesn't think there will be one within the next 10 years. So we have to find projects uh, in China or in Europe or somewhere where people undertake to buy trees or or close down a, a manufacturing plant or something, uh, and earn which earns credits, which we then buy uh, by a uh, a cash payment. That's highly dodgy, right? Well, the whole thing has been uh, the the point is that we have bought a lot of these uh, what are called hot air credits. Uh, we we were awash with them uh, in uh, the early part of our uh, emission trading scheme, uh, and uh, uh, then the the uh, Labour government or the uh, coalition Labour Minister first government in 2018 uh, declared to the world that we would stop using them, and that. All the hot air credits that we already had, we would write them off, uh, and we wouldn't use our Kyoto overhang. We had a very big credit from Kyoto, uh, but uh, the Ardern government said we wouldn't use any of that uh, back in 2018. But now here we are in 2021, and we have to determine what our national uh, nationally determined contribution will be uh, for the 20s. 
uh, and the feeling in Wellington in the Ministry for the Environment was that the number didn't sound very exciting. Uh, 15% off 2005 peak uh, was lower than what a number of other countries were achieving. Now, this had been New Zealand's fate for a while since back in the Kyoto days because we had a couple of major problems that other countries didn't have. Uh, the first one was that our electricity system was already renewable. So whereas other countries were going from coal to gas and thereby uh, getting big reductions, we weren't on coal at all, uh, bar that very small amount that we use at Huntley. So we that wasn't open to us. A second problem was that about half of our emissions uh, claimed to be from farm animals and uh, there's no way, there's no technology available to do anything about that. Uh, and thirdly, and related to that, because we are the only developed country who depends on agriculture for, for a living, we don't have a whole lot of major industry which we could close down. And like has been happening in Europe, in the UK, in Germany, They've been deindustrializing for about the last 10 years. Instead of uh, making things at home, they are importing them in from China. Now, that doesn't do a damn thing for global emissions because it simply moves the emissions from, say, the UK to Asia, uh, but it gives them bragging rights. And in the... Uh, the circles that the uh, our climate change ministers move in, it's the bragging rights that seem to count. But we didn't have any of this. Uh, we have very little of this major industry, which we could uh, close down by deindustrializing and replace with imports from China. So we simply weren't going to be able to achieve numbers that sounded good when it came to uh, the next uh, conference of the parties and people announced how big their percentage was. And the whole uh, object of this is to say that my, my NDC is bigger than your NDC. <laughs> it's, and, it's, a, it's that simple, isn't it? It is. I, I, and I don't, um, I don't know... Why? Uh, why that New Zealand feels it has to be up there competing, and indeed, under the Ardern government, it was their stated position that was uh, um, said over and over again that they wanted to be the world leader, and that was the object of the Zero Carbon Act. New Zealand will be the world leader. We will endure more economic pain than any other country in the world was uh, our ambition. Well, when it came to the determine the 2021 uh, NDC, the Climate Commission uh, made a recommendation that we, we do the 15% maximum that we could do in New Zealand and we add another 15% that we would buy in offshore credits. So that was an expenditure of about $12 billion uh, that was recommended by the Climate Commission uh, in just, order for just, us to put on a... Just sorry. hold it there, Barry, because this is the bit that starts to escape me because it's the lunacy of it that, means I I think I struggled to understand it, and I imagine listeners struggled to understand it. So the commitment they were talking about was that we would restrict our use of fossil fuels and our farming to cut our emissions by 15%. And this would be at some significant pain because... You wouldn't do it otherwise, right? I mean, this is 
this is cutting down, um, um, this is changing our economic future to drop this by 15%. You're hamstringing industry, you're hamstringing farming. On top of that, this commission suggests that we buy credits over the 10-year period and that means because there's not an international market, correct me where I go wrong, Barry, we would partner up with some dodgy scheme in some dodgy country and pay them money to do some project that will supposedly reduce their emissions. Is that is that what I'm understanding? Uh, yes, yes, that's correct. Whether the projects are always dodgy, uh, there might be a, uh, a better system might evolve. Uh, it's not there now. Uh, to skip ahead for a moment, uh, in the following year's budget in 2022, Grant Robertson set aside a sum of $9 million uh, as a special fund to allow us to go searching for opportunities to buy these things offshore uh, because they're not there. Not uh, There's dodgy ones there. I presume the uh, New Zealand government is hoping it can find less dodgy ones, but it's not easy. You can't look in the yellow pages. And so $9 million has been set up simply for the search. And the, the, now, the, it, uh, so, so the implication was, here we go, cut down your use of fuel, put up the price of electricity, cut back farming, cut back industry, plus give away $12 billion of taxpayers' money to support projects in other countries. Is that, I mean, am I missing, am I missing this? No, you're, you're spot on. That's exactly what the proposal so, was. So that's like over 10 years, was it? That's $1.2 billion a year that our listeners are contributing via their taxes to go to projects, right? But not right, projects. But it gets to, worse. Not projects to. Oh, look, that's as, you know. Just let me get this bad bit into my head first, without it getting worse. So we are collecting money off New Zealanders. We're sending over a billion dollars. The plan is to spend over a billion dollars. Might be to China. Might be to the Ukraine. It's been in the past. It might be um, Thailand, and we say, here you go. We're going to help you with this project that you want to do, and we will pay or make a contribution to this project because your project reduces global emissions cheaper than we can do it because we're struggling, and we write them a check. It's real money. It's not like pretend money. It's real money coming out of your mind, our listeners' pockets. Each year. Right. It will, uh, either in the short term or in the medium term, it will come right out of the schools, the hospitals, uh, law and order, all of the things that we don't have enough money to spend on now. Uh, we're going to take some of the money we are spending on that and send it off overseas. Uh, and that's and in addition to reducing our emissions. That's in addition to in addition to reducing our emissions at home at a a very ambitious rate. And you uh, and I which is going e to stretch us. Even on the IPC climate doomsdayers scenario, what New Zealand does is a drop in the bucket that makes no discernible difference in their models. Am I correct in that? Yes. Yeah. New Zealand total uh, emissions amount to 0.16% of the world, like of the world's uh, emissions. So if we were to 
say we're going to reduce our emissions by 15%, that's 15% of four-fifths of uh, whatever. Uh, Fanny Adams, isn't it? Um, yes. It's a, it's a, you know, it is a, a microscopic drop in the bucket in terms of the global fight against climate change. It won't make the slightest difference uh, to uh, to the global total. It's just a rounding error, but it'll cause a great deal of hardship back home in New Zealand. And our politicians, and you and I know this because we've been politicians, they're going along to these international conferences and they announce a big number like this and they get fated. They get hosannaed. They are wonderful because there's Jacinda Ardern and James Shaw leading the world in their commitment and here's the poor benighted New Zealand citizen suffering. Right. And what the 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 worst of this is first that it's it's voluntary. We're doing it simply because we want to. But when I say we want to, we who are paying for it were never asked whether we wanted to do this. Uh, it was something that Jacinda and James Shaw and Grant Robertson and co. Uh, decided they wanted to do, uh, and, of course, it's other people's money. But this is other people's money on a giant, giant scale. Uh, and the so it, you know, they've made this donation. Uh, it's not something we had to do is the first point. The second point is that you would think for that investment that we would get something by way of return. We don't get anything at all, nothing. This is a straight donation. So the sacrifice that will have to be made by men, women and children throughout New Zealand uh, and the increased poverty, the hardships and the like will all for nothing, we'll get no return for any of it. We're it's we're pissing Just it away. Donation. We're pissing it away. We're pissing it away. Yeah. Now I've got uh, that, and then you said, but it gets worse. It gets worse because the the Climate Commission's recommendation of an extra fifteen percent reduction—that is, an extra fifty million tons be bought in uh, offshore, in offshore credits. Uh, sure, and the Ministry for the Environment decided to up the ante. And they proposed, on the basis of what some other countries had, some high numbers, so for, we wanted to retain our position as the world leader. Uh, we should jump that figure from 15% to... 30%. In other words, the $12 billion that the Climate Commission had envisaged spending offshore, sure recommended it be doubled to $30 million. $30 billion. Oh, sorry, to $24 billion, right? I'm getting the, the first we'll take the, the, uh, the percentages. The Climate Commission wanted 15%. Sure, up to 30%. That means that the price, the cost, would go from $12 billion to $24 billion. Uh, and that was the proposal put forward by the Ministry for Energy or signed off by James Shaw. This caused a good deal of alarm between all the other departments, uh, and many of them had a finger in this pie, as you'd expect, like the uh, Ministry of Primary Industry, the Ministry for Foreign Affairs, and of course the Treasury, uh, and the Ministry of Business. Uh, and Treasury put in a last-minute effort for a compromise to reduce the figure 
proposed by uh, by James Shaw, uh, which uh, which was the forty five percent reduction, and so those papers, all of them, and they're all available on the internet. Uh, they went to the cabinet uh, in November 2021, and the answer that came out was that James Shaw had been too modest. The cabinet was going to increase his bid from 45% to 50%. So, have you ever heard? Have you ever heard? Of, have you ever heard of a minister putting a proposal up to cabinet? For some spending some money and getting it through cabinet, <laughs> saying he didn't ask for enough, <laughs> getting more than he asked for. <laughs> I have never, I've never. It boggles the imagination. <laughs> uh, you would say, "Well, this would be uh, an absolute impossibility." And somehow it you, you are buying nothing. You're buying nothing. Buy nothing at all, uh, but. Uh, it certainly would be uh, consistent with having an NDC that's bigger than other people's NDCs. Uh, and uh, so that would keep us up there as the world leader. Uh, and so which is apparently important to the people at the cabinet table. That would that would mean hard cash going out of New Zealand over the next 10 years of $30,000 million. Right. It, it's actually, I think it's $34,000 million, but because we don't know how much future credits, yes, we'll like cost. In, 19, in 2028, how much Cost you to buy the credits. was calculated not by the Treasury, but you're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. We're talking to Barry Brill, who was Minister of Energy way back in the early 70s. Amazing. Wonderful, wonderful guy, an expert on climate change and climate change policy, literally an expert, uh, a recognised expert, unless, of course, you're a New Zealand government expert, in which case Barry's probably a climate change denier and a bad person. Um, and he's describing to us this commitment that Cabinet made to reduce our emissions by 15% over 10 years, plus to spend upwards and maybe more of $30 million over 10 years, that's $3 billion a year, oh my goodness, supporting projects in other countries that reduce emissions, all of which will make no difference, even if you accept the worst scenario from the IPC and the doomsdayers will make no difference to the world. The only achievement in all of this is to make James Shaw and Jacinda Ardern look good in the circles of leaders who think this is important. The Chinese uh, and the Russians, of course, India, they're falling about laughing as Western nations hobble their economies, de-industrialize their economies, and just buy everything from these other countries. Now, Barry, you were just saying before we had a bad uh, signal that $30 million, it could be more than that because we don't know what it will cost to be buying these effective credits into the future. No, we, uh, nobody knows because they don't exist and there's no market exists. Uh, and uh, the the only uh, sort of hard figures are that the IEA, that's the International Energy Agency, has uh, in a report has made an assumption that it would be uh, $227 a tonne, uh, and 
that's uh, just an assumption for the purposes of illustrating a report. But the New Zealand Treasury, in the lead-up to the election, uh, picked up that figure and some other figures from the IEA. Uh, and if you were to use that figure, then it would be $23.8 billion. Uh, but the Climate Commission says, no, there's indirect costs as well as direct costs, uh, and the figure we should use is $240 a tonne. And so if that is correct, then that's $34 billion. Now, you know, we're at 2024 already, so we are talking in terms of the next five, six years, spending something between six and seven billion dollars every year on average oh my goodness me now tell me this must surely this this provision for this expenditure having been through cabinet that must be appearing in the fiscal updates and in future budgets right uh it appears in the fiscal update uh that's what i'm referring to it's a a a report was formed part of the fiscal update in September 2023. Uh, and for those who want to look it up, it's at page 80. Uh, and it has several pages on uh, how to uh, price this uh, NDC commitment, NDC pledge. Uh, now, uh, it's not in the forward budgets because the they go forward only four years. Uh, and so if we like to take the position uh, that we don't really have to pay this until uh, the end of the 2020s, uh, then we could avoid putting it in this year's budget or next year, but then it would have to come in the 2026 budget because it would then be inescapable. Uh, and, of course, 2026 is an election year. Uh, and I would say that it would totally destroy Nicola Willis's uh, budget in that election year uh, if she were going to leave all of the $34 billion until uh, oh. uh, for as long as she possibly can. It would bankrupt the government. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I just don't understand how a government can go to the people to say what we promise you if you elect us is we're going to take your money and give you less of health and less of education. We're going to increase child poverty. We, all of the objectives that we've spelled out, we're going to take the money for that and and we're going to donate it to uh, these projects overseas. So one, for nothing yeah. at all. so one option for the Luxon-led government to do is to kick the can down the road and say yes we're committed to this but we're not going to make any we're not going to make any provision this for the next 4 years because i think that's how long a budget looks out and kick it down but of course as you say as long as the commitments there it accumulates and in the limit you could be paying the 34 billion in 2029 or something, right? Well, you could, but I think in 2026 you'd have no option but to uh, to bring it into your four-year forward look. I see, of course, of course, of course, of course. So it's oh, inescapable. My, it's inescapable. <laughs> and, I mean, you you know yourself, right? They're talking big numbers in a budget, but... The Minister of Finance is chasing for chasing around looking for millions, and here are billions that no New Zealander knows has been committed. I'd never heard of it until I read your article. I had no grasp that this had been done on my behalf. I was busy concentrating on the damage to farming and to industry and to homeowners of this madcap uh, climate commitment I had no idea that we were committed to making this multi-billion dollar donation. It's an absolute no-brainer for a government just to say that's gone and free up money 
for health education and indeed for tax cuts, right? Yeah, well, unfortunately, it doesn't free up money uh, because it's money it's we don't have. There. It's it's not in it's uh, not in the budget we, now. It's not in there, and we don't have it. But of course, if we don't denounce it and say no, we're not going to do that, uh, then it's going to become a uh, it's going to become a broken promise of the uh, current government. Uh, they, if they don't denounce quite early in their three-year terms, then it becomes their problem. And I, I really think that it's uh, the only sensible thing uh, for the Prime Minister and the Minister of Finance to do is to say that in their review of the books, they find that New Zealand cannot afford to make this generous gesture after all. Uh, and we will face up to the terrible prospect of no longer being the leader of the world. Uh, <laughs> and our NDC won't be bigger than other people's NDCs after all. And and um, everyone can say how nasty Chris Luxon is and how nasty Nicola Willis is, and Jacinda Ardern and James Shaw can keep their credentials international credentials shiny and bright because they made the commitment and they can just say that nasty right-wing government came in and undid it. So it's a win-win. Right. Yes, it is a win-win. Jacinda Ardern and James Shaw can still be regarded as the adults in the room. Yes. While uh, Jacinda and James will continue to be fated on the international cocktail circuit of the climate change. Uh, yeah, and and we promise. save we save thirty billion plus in dollars, um, which is, you know, look, this is so shocking to me that you don't even have the words for it because that basically signed us up to a $34,000 million expenditure so they could tout themselves as leading the world and have these great credentials. It's like what you'd expect a tin pot dictator after 30 years in power to be doing, sort of making themselves look good or enjoying the largesse of being a tyrant at the immiseration of the people back home. Yes. This well was this trumpeted was this I don't read the news much now because it ruins my day, but was this in the news, Barry, that this commitment was made to spend this sort of money? Well, that's the extraordinary thing about it. Uh when they had the lead up to the election there was huge focus on the uh, tax reductions that were going to be made by the National Party, uh, and the question was whether $1 billion could be taken from the tax imposed on overseas buyers of, of expensive New Zealand properties. Now, that went on for days. The media were... were utterly fascinated by this $1 billion and as to whether the National Party could do it or not. They never asked a single question about whether the National Party was going to spend $30 billion on this overseas donation. It, it wasn't raised by any of the media that, that I was aware of at all. At the time when this was passed, in November 21, uh, Auckland was locked down with the COVID-19 uh, COVID uh, uh, traffic light system, uh, and so Aucklanders couldn't attend Parliament, so Parliament wasn't in session. Uh, and uh, I suppose it must have been difficult to talk to the opposition because there doesn't appear to have been any bipartisan consultation or multipartisan consultation. Uh, there wasn't any public consultation like there had been with uh, with previous um, 
contributions to uh, to the the climate change um, agreement like Kyoto. So there was no public consultation. There was no consultation with Parliament. And then the Cabinet overrode all of their official advisors, including the Treasury, uh, and all of that, it seems, was constitutional. However, the, yes. it didn't hit the news because people were far too concerned with COVID than they, they were with these other things that were going on. The reason I came up and introduced this segment with that joke about the billion dollars was when I first turned up as a bright and shiny MP, I came across a Treasury study that discussed the deadweight cost of some taxes in New Zealand. And one figure I think was, I can't recall whether it was $2.4 billion or $4.2 billion. And at the time, there was a journalist working for the New Zealand Herald who was lovely called Patricia Herbert. And funny enough, she went on to be the Minister of Finance, Michael Cullen's press secretary. And I got her interested in writing up a small story uh, in the New Zealand Herald. And she wrote it up brilliantly. However, I, when I saw her next, I said, oh, that was a great story you wrote, Patricia. She says, oh, thank you. And I said, only thing is, you wrote that it was $2.4 when it was actually $2.4 and she said, oh, yeah. When I, was, <laughs> when I was writing the story, I was trying to think, what did Rodney say? Was it 2.4 million or 2.4 billion? And I decided it was 2.4 million. And in your mind's eye, an M and a B don't make much difference. It's just an extraordinary sum of money, isn't it? And it's a bit yes, like well, it, you I just can't it's... grasp it. Well, you know, you can't grasp it, but I think your use of the term 34,000 million uh, helps to differentiate it from 34 million. Yes. Like it's a thousand times more than that. A thousand times, a metre to a kilometre. It's extraordinary. Now, um, the thing that I was, when I read your article, and, of course, I was reminded of your time in politics. And we had this huge controversy over Think Big. And the discussion was cost-benefit analysis and was it worth it? And there's all this um, all this money going out on these projects and that it would be wasted. And I was fascinated by this and followed it most closely as a young boy or young man. And very often, because I live in central Otago now, I find myself driving past the Clyde Dam, Barry. And I All love right. it. I absolutely love that dam. And I know they had a lot of trouble with stabilisation and all the rest of it. But the amount of power that thing generates for New Zealand, and it's a magnificent thing to witness uh, and to look at and to conceive of the water and that gravity with that water can generate, I forget how much, I mean, you may know, but it generates a significant chunk of power for New Zealand. And right. we, were, we were discussing at that time what a dreadful thing this was because this money was being spent and it would offer not the return that one would expect for that sort of expenditure. But at least, to coin a phrase, we got the damn dam. You know, we actually got the power. We're enjoying the benefits of now. We're spending way beyond even adjusting for inflation, I would expect, what all of those think big projects were, and there's been not a murmur. And we get nothing. <laughs> yes, you brought back the, the nightmare of the time I had to go to a public meeting in Cromwell uh, to tell them that we had decided to drown their town. <laughs> uh, that was one of the toughest you things must have I got, You must have got that shortest of short straws, Barry. <laughs> I can't imagine that. Uh, well, I, it's, it's easy to remember, I can assure you. Uh, I bet. 
However, um, we, uh, we, we were um, cost-benefit studies were, um, and national economic benefit studies uh, were, uh, were at the very core of all of these because they were investment decisions. We spend money now, what will be the returns we get in the future? Well, it's because New Zealand is capital constrained, and we and all this money that we would spend we're spending on think big, we were going to borrow that money, all this thirty billion dollars that the government is going to spend uh, on offshore credits, that money is going to be borrowed as well. And yes. we'll borrow it from offshore, then we'll turn it around and spend it offshore, and all we'll have will be a lifetime of paying interest on thirty billion dollars for something we didn't want in the first place and which didn't do the world any good in the first place. So that's uh, – there is um, one other thing I think I should uh, say because uh, you asked about the media uh, dealing with this, and I didn't mention that in 2022, a, uh, a newspaper called Business Desk uh, which is a subsidiary now of the New Zealand Herald uh, and um, is run by Patrick Smelly, who uh, is one of those uh, old-time responsible journalists who will be well-known to you. Indeed, he's a good um, journalist. He'd be the best in terms he's of reporting. The, he'd probably be the best around today, yeah. So Patrick Smelly ran uh, five successive articles in the New Zealand Business Desk on five successive days and uh, three or four editorial articles as well about this NDC spending of the $30 billion. The articles were written by... Um, uh, the person who called Adrian Macy, who was the uh, New Zealand's first climate change ambassador. Uh, and uh, uh, Macy did very well in the world of uh, climate change diplomacy and uh, actually came to chair the sessions held by the um, uh, United Nations uh, Framework Committee uh, which led to the Paris Agreement. Uh, and uh, his co-author was uh, uh, Professor Dave Frame, uh, who from Canterbury University, who was New Zealand's most highly qualified climate scientist. So we had New Zealand's top climate diplomat and top climate scientist jointly writing five uh, quite lengthy uh, articles uh, on the very thing that I've written this um, uh, my article on. Uh, they go over the fact that in all of the uh, negotiations through nearly 20 years from the early 1990s through until 2020, uh, the question of using offshore credits has always been very controversial. Uh, and uh, they say that it was uh, uh, that the Ministry for the Environment wrongly advised uh, the government uh, that uh, it was a legitimate way of getting your NDC up uh, and that it was there was no particular requirement to focus on domestic savings. Uh, now uh, Macy says that's totally wrong. Uh, that uh, the international dip diplomatic community frowns on uh, buying offshore credits, and countries do it only for special reasons and only in small amounts. Uh, and the fact that that advice, that wrong advice was given and helped to mislead uh, our cabinet, we finished up being the only country out of the 194 
we we have a huge amount of offshore credits as part of our NDC. In fact, our offshore credits makes up something like two-thirds of our total NDC where nobody else has more than a few, few percent. So we're a complete outlier on this, uh, and I think that helps if we were to decide that we are not going to proceed with it uh, by saying, you know, we're the only country in the whole world that did this damn thing, uh, and it doesn't make sense to us anymore. So when we're doing those previous ones, we spent real money. Yeah. Do you know how much we've spent already? How much is spent on the... When, when uh, we bought these previous credits that yes. the government crashed, did we pay for them, like with real money? Uh, well, yes, our, our emitters did. Ah, I see. But so you might you be... had people like uh, Z Energy and uh, the refinery and uh, New Zealand Steel and all, all of the uh, Fonterra. They had to, uh, you know, for every ton that they emitted, they had to front up with a uh, with a credit, uh, and they were allowed to use foreign credits, and so they did uh, almost exclusively. And Macy says they were available for as little as $20 a tonne. And now we're talking $240 a tonne. Yes. Uh, and uh, that the country was awash in them uh, back in, the, uh, in 20, 2015, 2016, when the Paris Agreement was, uh, was enacted. And those credits have now been used? Or uh, did the did you say that because it's I, I look I feel stupid I struggle to understand the stupidity of it have those credits been so called used i.e. offset and therefore disappeared or are they still sitting available to be used and did you say Jacinda Ardern came along and squashed them yes they, um, they they were they were continuing to be used through till twenty eighteen. Uh, when uh, yes, Jacinda then squashed them, uh, and so they can no longer be used. Uh, so they can no longer a, buy uh, them and use them to offset. That's right. And the ones that were already we already had the government already had a large chunk of um, of credits because we had overperformed on the Kyoto yes. period. And when the Kyoto uh, commitment period ended in 2012, we had these millions of credits just sitting there. Uh, and in 2018, uh, and we used them to go th to carry through to 2020, and then the rest of them was written off because uh, the New Zealand government felt that they weren't fair game. Uh, of course, that was what they'd been told by China and by every other competing operation around the world, that they didn't have credits from Kyoto, so we shouldn't use ours. So we rolled over and said we wouldn't use ours. Because we could take those now and sell them for $270 a tonne or whatever. We could undo the fact that we wrote them off. I'm not sure <laughs> whether that's a, an option or not. Uh, isn't it? Just a madness. But, I mean, whatever tonnage, if if they wrote off a ton and just flushed it down the toilet and said you can't use it, at the moment you're saying that could be $240 a ton. Yes. And there may be millions of tons or something flushed down the toilet. We don't know. Yes, but it, it was done back Five, six years ago. I see. Five yes. years ago. And they may have expired. I, well, I, I, they don't expire, but, uh, you know, a, a, a ton less, uh, a ton less in the atmosphere is a ton less in the atmosphere. But yeah. uh, in terms of the accounting between countries, uh, we have said, uh, we uh, we wouldn't use things. We're we're above using such things in future. 
Uh, and indeed, this was uh, a lot of the criticism that was made by the uh, by James Shaw of the uh, of the previous national government uh, that uh, the national government had done virtually nothing. They had uh, um, they had signed up to the Paris Agreement. They'd uh, enforced the ETS and all that, but it all came to nothing because they were using these old air credits. So then, so James Shaw was able to say, "We will going to stop using hot air credits, and that will make the New Zealand price of a unit uh, of a carbon unit uh, go up from under twenty five dollars to something like seventy five dollars, which is what it did." Mm. Mm. Well, Barry, you are a former minister in a national government. Have you had any indication that Chris Luxon and or the Minister of Finance, Nicola Willis, are aware of this? Uh, I'm sure there's no doubt that they're aware of it. Uh, there's... Um, there's uh, references regularly, uh, and it's in the mainstream media as well, when they talk about the difficult fiscal situation we're in, you'll always see them tossing climate change as part of the okay. reason we're in a difficult fiscal situation. But that's as far as it goes. Okay. Uh, they, they, they don't want to talk about it. Uh, and despite all those articles in Business Desk, the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, so apart from um, good people like you, Rodney, uh, the public are going to remain uninformed, it seems. Well, I'm only informed of it because good people, well, the one good person like you writes it up in a way that I can digest. But even as I read it, it was so lunatic, I actually struggled to understand it because I'm thinking I'm missing something here because if what Barry is, is uh, telling me is true, our politicians have lost their marbles. And that's why I had trouble digesting it. It's truly, truly astonishing and disgusting and enraging. Oh, you, can, yes. you, you struggle to find words. Barry, we thank you for your time this morning. We appreciate your work. Uh, if you want to read this article, it's on the blog uh, bassettbrashandhide.com. Uh, search out Barry Brill. Uh, Barry Brill is, you used to have a climate. Is your blog, I don't think your climate science Coalition, New Zealand Climate Science Coalition blog, it, it sort of trailed off a bit in terms of the contributions there, did it, Barry? Or is it still? Well, we've, we've, we've had problems with the website and the person who was responsible for it is, uh, uh, has shuffled off the middle coil. So mm -hmm. uh, we are... Uh, a lot of the uh, the website is where all the, the the blog papers and other things appeared, and it's uh, it's not very workable at the moment. Okay, well, if you want to read back over Barry's writing, you can find it at the New Zealand Science Climate New Zealand Climate Science Coalition New Zealand si Climate Science Coalition. Yes. Yes. And um, there's wonderful material there. And uh, Barry's dissection of the articles is world class and gets quoted by world leaders uh, of the scientific community. Of course, here at home, he's a um, white dinosaur uh, <laughs> climate denier who has no qualifications in climate science. Uh, he knows more about it than James Shaw ever will. Uh, more about it than Jacinda Ardern ever will. More about it than um, Grant Robertson ever will. More about it than anyone in the National Party MPs ever will because he's devoted years and years and years to a very close reading and analysis of all the reports. And it's astonishing your depth of understanding of this issue, Barry. 
Well, it's it's an interesting topic. Uh, but unfortunately, as you say, it's not something you can dip into and dip out of. You, uh, it, it's deliberately made much more complicated than it yes. needs to be, I must say. Yes. Uh, but it's, uh, it's of course, it, it keeps thousands, tens of thousands of bureaucrats busy all around the world, and they keep inventing uh, new acronyms and so forth. And new arguments for why it's a thing. Barry, thank you for your time. You're on Reality Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. That was Barry Brill. Just picture it, $30 billion to be spent this decade uh, for nothing. And that's what our previous government signed us up for. And our present government hasn't yet dismissed and said no. So it's still sitting there on the books. Oh my goodness, hard to believe. Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. Do you like what you're listening to or dislike what you're listening to? Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We'd love to hear from you. So connect with us today.